Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, comic book fans of all ages, it is DC Comics News Podcast episode number 37. 37, that's right. If you've been with us for all 36, these names, these faces, these voices will sound familiar. If not, time for a quick introduction. I'm your host, Seth Singleton, and I'm joined by a marvelous staff. We're going to go ahead and start things off with the roll call. We've got Brad Felicki. Brad, go ahead and please say hello. Hello, guys. We're also joined by Kelly Gaines. Kelly, if you could say hi real quick. Hey, guys. And wrapping things up on this roll call roundtable, we've got Mr. Steve J. Ray. Good evening. And with that round of proper introductions, and without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, we should have breaking news music. We will because we have breaking news. And we're going to go ahead and start off that breaking news with a bit of a sad note and the announcement that former DC editor and co-creator of Amethyst, Ernie Colon, has passed away. Uh, Heartbreaking news, um, groundbreaking characters. Go ahead and uh, get things going for us with your thoughts, Brad. What did you think about this announcement? You know, it's it's pretty sad. I see, you know, back in the day, I do remember uh, reading some of the Amethyst uh, comics. So seeing that kind of brought that all back. And uh, you know, he he was 88. He had a you know a very full life, but it's still still sad and you know and quite the loss. Um, you know, he. He, his work was very. I mean, he worked on Flash, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, helped edit those titles. So he's he's definitely uh, had quite the history with DC, and it's very sad to see him go. Uh, Kelly, what do you think? I, yeah, that is very sad news. Um, and what an amazing career to have had, especially uh, you know, it looks like he worked on kind of as a ghostwriter for Cast for the Friendly Ghost and a bunch of other. T- titles that are really iconic so it seems like an amazing career one that you know he should be proud of um and yeah it's an amethyst i think recently got a relaunch so that is that is a really fantastic character to have had a hand in creating um you know and he he will definitely be missed what do you think steve yeah i remember a lot of his work his early stuff on amethyst John Carter of Mars and like Brad said he's worked on virtually every DC character whether it was as an artist or as as an editor and um, being a fan of his stuff being obviously again a little bit older than the most of you it's it's again it's had an effect like with Rutger Hauer last week I pulled out a few of uh, the books I have of his over the last week or so and um, his speciality was definitely fantasy. He, his imagination and the world he created, including Gem World, were absolutely gorgeous. And like you said, Kelly, um, it's brilliant that Amethyst's back in a big way in Brian Bendis' Young Justice. And I hope that Ernie got to see that and maybe had a little bit of, of, of nostalgic warmth and love in his heart for the character he helped bring to to life so um again all we can say is as as dc comics dues love respect thank you for those wonderful memories and all the best to, to his family friends and colleagues what about you seth i think overall uh it's heartbreaking news anytime you lose a great talent 
and especially one with such uh, you know an impressive career. I mean, the fact that they're talking about over 60 years and just the number of different projects that everyone has already listed so far, but also having the ability and opportunity to create a legendary character. The fact that Amethyst was an original character when she was created and so was all of the, the world that came with her. But the fact that it's had the longevity to now be rebooted. And I was really glad that I got the chance to experience um, this introduction to not only Amethyst, but Gemworld and the uh, the elements that, that, are, that are part of everything that makes up this world. I always come back to this term world building, which I thought this did a really good job of doing when I, when I got this introduction, it made me more curious about the previous amethyst that had come before. And this character who existed right before I started getting into comics and I never had an introduction to until now, but now that I've had this newer introduction, this reboot, this chance to, um, experience the character and among characters I already enjoy like young justice makes me curious to, uh, to go ahead and check out those early editions. And it also for me feels like one of those great opportunities that you always hope for as an artist and a writer, which is the chance that you can do something that can be listed in the canon somewhere that even after you've passed, others will have the chance to engage with and experience and enjoy and, I mean, if you're looking to be immortal, I can't think of a better way to do it. Yeah. Nice. So, um, regarding that, I mean, also, I feel like at some point, even 88 feels like such a young age. But, uh, you know, I'm glad that he was able to uh, give as much of his time and his talent to something that he clearly had a passion for. Moving on to something that is also on the breaking news horizon, we have the announcement that DC Universe Online will actually be landing on Nintendo Switch. Now, here's where I have to admit that I am clearly a Luddite for not having engaged with either this title or a Nintendo Switch, and I'm going to have to defer to those who have a little bit more gaming experience than me and can reflect on this with... Uh, well, I think a more informed perspective. Brad, can you go ahead and start this conversation? Uh, sure. I, I think that DC Universe is definitely a perfect game for the Switch. Um, and, and as a gamer myself, I like when these games do get ported to the Switch because I like the idea of being able to take them with me on the go. And I think that that is a benefit for a lot of players on the Switch, and I think that the DC game will be perfect for that kind of play. So I'm, I'm excited. I definitely will be downloading this for sure on my Switch. Just as a follow-up really quick on that, from what I understand, that's kind of the big thing about the Switch, right? Is it's not only like a home unit, but it's portable yes. and vice versa? Okay. Yes. Again, the Luddite, just making sure I understand how, you know, this whole electricity thing works. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly, what were your thoughts? So I don't personally have a Switch, but everybody else I know does. And it seems like a really fun system. Um, I, geez, I probably haven't had a video game system since I had Pokemon Red on the, like, original Game Boys that were kind of purple and see-through. Um, but as far as this game goes, it's funny because I 
I'm almost positive that my younger brother has told me to play this game maybe a thousand times. And this shows how much I was listening to him because reading about it, I was like, wow, that sounds like a really fantastic game. Like you get to make your own hero and exist in the, the actual larger DC universe. I, he's right, I absolutely would love that game and I wish that I had listened to him earlier because it's something I think now I have to invest in both that game and the Switch. Um, but yeah, that sounds really cool and it's good that, that they're and that so many people are using right now. Uh, Steve, what do you think? Uh, my son has a Nintendo Switch. Seth, <laughs> you're not allowed to. That's about the extent of my expertise. I was gaming with Pong and Space Invaders and Pac-Man. And I do believe the last video game I played and actually got involved in was possibly either the first Tomb Raider or Sonic Heroes. So, <laughs> may feel better about yourself, my friend. Please feel better about yourself. Um, in terms of, it must be good news, <laughs> I think, for somebody. Um, Switch is very cool. I see my son playing it when he's out and about. I see him plugging it into the TV. For me, that's just mind-boggling because I'm still trying to wrap my head around how notes of sound and music can be captured in grooves on vinyl. So go, you Nintendo Switch people. I don't know what you're doing, but it looks like fun. What about you, Seth? <laughs> I, I do not have a, a system. I'm, I'm intrigued because it sounds like DC Universe was a online or a platform gaming that sort of either didn't have a, a, an ability to adapt and continue or was, for whatever reason, limited by its format that somehow now it seems to be getting a second life on the Nintendo Switch, which... I think it's a great opportunity because from what i understand uh it looks great it's just that the technology behind gaming was moving so fast that when this version came out it was already being leapfrogged by whatever the next thing is so i'm in i'm intrigued overall uh by the fact that from what i understand this this could be a second life for it and I, i'd like to see what that ends up meaning also I, I think it's just a lot of fun that you know the idea of being able to take one of these systems like the portable switch and go anywhere and find someone and potentially, you know, just sit down and say, Hey, let's see how good you are. I'm so-and-so you're so-and-so let's rock and roll. Uh, there's a lot of fun, you know, with that possibility. And then, you know, making a friend and then going home, plugging in your unit and being able to, you know, link up later and say, Hey, that was a fun match. Want to play again? Um, and doing it with all the DC characters you love sounds, you know, like a lot of fun, uh, and if it becomes so intoxicating from Kelly's description that not only is she converted, but we all at some point succumb to the, the great inertia, well, I mean, come on. The worst thing I can say is that I'm playing my favorite DC character at the moment that I'm getting busted for doing it instead of, you know, doing something else. Isn't that yeah. always the fun of gaming? <laughs> <laughs> um, but... Keeping in mind that the technology is always moving forward with the DC Universe in so many facets is the other breaking announcement that DC has launched a new Superman Twitter page. I distinctly remember a conversation when Wonder Woman got hers, and it was a lot of fun uh, chatting about this. I'm curious to hear what others have to say about Superman's Twitter page. Did you tweet him? Are you following Brad? Inquiring minds want to know. 
Yes. Uh, yes, I am. <laughs> uh, for sure. When, you know, <laughs> it's funny that you brought up, because I remember that same conversation when they launched the, the Wonder Woman Twitter feed. And I thought that might be more directly tied into Wonder Woman 1984. But it seems like now that they're branching out to all these characters, and so it's a fun way to do promotions and, you know, keep the characters on people's minds. And I kind of hope they expand it, too. Why not have a Twitter feed for Green Lantern or The Flash, Cyborg? You know, why why not? I think those would be fun to follow as well. Uh, Kelly, what do you think? I, I do remember the Wonder Woman conversation, and now that we're talking about it again, I just remember that I forgot got to go and follow Wonder Woman. So I still have to do that because now I'm following <gasps> Superman. <laughs> Nobody tell her. But I um everyone listening is a loyal listener. You will not rat out Kelly. We have spoken. Please Kelly continue. I I my my deepest sympathies to Wonder Woman on the fact that I haven't followed her. Or sympathies, condolences, no one died, but I feel bad. Um yeah so the Superman page looks really, really good. Um I yeah, I do kind of, I, I think what's most interesting to me is that it seems like some tweets are, you know, obviously someone tweeting as the character and then other tweets are, you know, news updates and that kind of thing. But in any case, it's a fun way to keep fans in the loop. Um, and I'm sure there's a, an ad for that job out there somewhere that seems like the best job in the world to tweet as if you're Superman. Um, so, yeah, it, it looks like a fun page. I'm definitely into it. See, what do you think? Oh, absolutely. Everything you just said, but you do know that the penalty for not following your favorite heroes on Twitter is confiscation of your purse book. So, you know, as soon as this call's finished, go follow Wonder Woman, go follow Batman and go follow the Man of Steel. Otherwise, the repercussions could be serious and the universes could end. But um, worlds will That's live, awesome. worlds will die. <laughs> <laughs> so no it's great fun i mean it's been going on for on facebook for years and years and years and years that these characters have had their own facebook page and you think with the popularity of twitter that it would have happened a long time ago but as soon as i saw batman appear and then wonder woman which we all talked about as he said on previous shows now to have the man of steel so the, the great the original three the trinity are there i'm sure we'll get them all following and then all of us will be following them. See what I did there? Did you see what, see what I did there? Following? The fo- no? Never mind. Anyway, Seth, save me from myself. I'm rambling, but let's go follow our favorite <laughs> heroes. Steve, I want to, I want to, but I'm going down the rabbit hole and he's rhyming and chuckling and laughing and I just want to keep following. So, hey, my friend, hold on to your hats. We're all spinning down, down, down. Not only have I tagged and hashtag Superman, I'm following, trending, and tweeting him like mad. I want to. If I'm that cool, eventually I I will be. But I'm not there yet. Right now I'm going down this rabbit hole, and I promise at some point, at some point, I'm going to come out. Until then, stay tuned. I'm sure I'll tweet about it soon. When it comes to the breaking news, thank you. (laughs) We're always having a little bit of fun moving away from it and into the movie news, where there's always a new conversation, and for some reason, it seems to circle on bat to the man win the bat. 
When it comes to the newest news, John David Washington reportedly in consideration for a role in the Batman. Uh, it seems like every day, every week, there's a new casting announcement. Brad, are you becoming numb to these sorts of uh, yeah. <laughs> headlines? Or uh, what's your uh, thoughts and reaction to this? Uh, I always take them with a grain of salt at this point. Uh, but uh, I do think that he would make a pretty good Harvey Dent. Uh, he was he was great in Black Klansman, if you haven't seen it. Uh, and I could see him kind of, you know, they, they talk about this being a trilogy and it might be, you know, as Harvey Dent might be a role that has to be built up. He doesn't become Two-Face right away. And I think that he could definitely pull off that kind of character development over the course of a few movies. So I think he would be a good choice for Harvey Dent. Um, so, yeah, I'd be all for that. And Kelly, what do you think? I, I mean, and I've definitely said this to you guys before, but the announcements of things that might be things, but we don't know for sure if they're things, just kind of frustrates me. Because I, I don't want to say I don't care, but it's to the point of, I, it's great if he's going to be in it, great. But d don't just say this guy might be in it and that guy might be in it, and then don't actually tell us who's in the movie. I mean, do we even know what villains are going to be in the film yet? It, it's... Anyway, I'm I'm getting off topic, topic, but yes, I I think he'd be good at a Harvey Dent role. I don't necessarily enjoy having to do the whole oh maybe this guy, maybe that one thing, but you know that's I that's just one large ramble about my frustrations with this movie as a whole so far because if for so long it was just like like almost like one of those will they or won't they stories. Will this movie happen? What's going to be in it? And you know, at this point, just just give me the movie. I just want to see the actual movie. And until then, eh, okay. Steve, what do you think? Also, I think the key phrase right there was, eh, totally <laughs> nailed it. Absolutely. Um, again, they're throwing names at us, but nothing's concrete. Nothing's set in stone. We're going to have so much salt here. We could be floating on it. It's just crazy um however if he does end up being in the like everyone said good call because the guy can act um he's great legacy his, his dad's one of the greatest actors out there so if he's cast outstanding but tell us when he's cast not the possibility rumor story um that he may have been cast that, like i said kelly every week it's like the latest bit of this could be happening but we're not really sure but we'll say it anyway um give us the facts man just the facts. Seth, what did you think? I think that everyone has already um, sort of given us a hint of the frustration that will be expressed because this is just one of four rumored names. In fact, there are three more to follow. And I say we just dive into each one and everyone just go ahead and, and let us know what you think about uh, where you would see this person fitting in because I think the hardest part right now is, yeah, the speculation of what what is going to happen, what isn't. I like that this one sets up the possibility of maybe a Harvey Dent because that's a conversation I can have at least. How does this you know actor fit into that role? But it's challenging without there being a confirmation that okay, we know we're going to use this person, but we're not going to tell you how they're going to how we're going to use them. That's even a more engaging conversation because you know they've officially attached to the project. Without feeling that attachment, I think this is going to be um, uncomfortable 
for the rest of these uh, headlines we have today and sadly the headlines that will follow so i'm gonna say let's move into the other names we've got everybody just you know give as much as little as you want and also keep in mind that while i'm offering up the the headline we get a chance to frame the question and the discussion by basing it on you know the stuff that we think is important uh following then in that line of thought is the announcement that paul Walt Hauser is also rumored to be attached to the Batman. He might be involved as the Penguin. Uh, since we don't even have a guaranteed list of who all the villains will actually be, Brad, you know, grain of salt and all, what do you think about the idea of uh, this actor and the uh, the role of Penguin? Is it a fit? What do you think? Uh, it could be a fit. I think his star is kind of on the rise, so it could be very good for his career. Um. But, you know, back to the whole Batman fatigue, though, because truly we've been I think that if you would go back and listen to every single week of this podcast, a good 99 percent of them would have some kind of news on the Batman. I mean, yep. will it happen? Will it won't? At least we're in a position now where we can talk casting. At least we may have passed that hump of will it happen or not. So as annoying as these rumors can be, at least it's getting getting closer to being made which is a very good thing. So, uh, nice. yeah, I mean, and, you know, I, I did like his work in uh, I, Tanya, So given that, uh, Kelly, what do you think? I, so going away from my entire previous rant just for a second, he does look like he'd make a very good penguin. Um, you know, and I, I hope that soon we get a confirmation of whether or not Penguin's even going to be a role in the film. That's, which, and that's part of my frustration too, is it's not just will we or will we not see these actors, it's also partially will we or will we not see these characters, or is, is there even going to be a Harvey Dent or a Penguin in the movie? So if there is going to be a Penguin, then yes, he looks like he'd be fantastic in the role. Um, if there's not gonna be a Penguin, then, you know, okay, that's really, it's, it's hard to form a really solid, I, I think at least for myself, it's hard to form a real impression when we're not even all that sure what villains are really going to be showing up. But, um, you know, yeah, if, if it is Penguin, then he looks, he looks decent. What do you think, Steve? Yeah, it's, like, it's exactly what you said. It's very hard to get excited about something that isn't fact. It's rumour and happenstance, and you just don't know anything for sure. Yeah, he looks like he could play the part. Again, um, with a Two-Face role, if the, the rumours are true about the script and the storyline following the long Halloween, I loved your idea, Brad, that perhaps we'll see him just as Harvey Dent in the first film. He'll become Two-Face in the second. And well, I don't know what could happen with the third unless they adapt both Long Halloween and Dark Victory as three movies. And I would watch the living bejesus out of that. That'd make me really happy. But um, if that's the case, then, yeah, both men will do great jobs. Um, but like Kelly said, I can't get excited about it because I don't really have anything concrete to get excited about. What about you, Seth? I'm going to be in the same boat uh, with a lot of you guys uh, regarding the opinions that you you shared that are, you know, so insightful, so thoughtful about what we've already had the chance to experience. And while, you know, some of us have more experience than others, 
and you know are always going to have that that sort of like well this is how i'm interpreting it what i'm finding the most important is that there seems to be this recognition of it's not the most fun part of the process but it is a part of the process we've been in the uh lesser enjoyable side of you know as brad pointed out will this project even get made so now we're just trying to narrow down okay how much of it can they really tell us that we can actually you know talk about with any sense of confidence or you know feeling that okay i'm not just you know guessing at any possibility but i i do feel that there's a you know a, a good a good opportunity to set up a character like harvey dent early, which I think was a great suggestion from Brad and something I really appreciated. And I feel that the uh, other castings are also things to be taken in that, that consideration, at, as was pointed out regarding uh, the actor uh, Paul Walter Hauser and whether or not he's a good fit for Penguin. I'm not actually familiar with his work. So seeing him uh, in, uh, in just that snapshot and trying to think of him as a penguin, I could see an early, you know, impression that he might make a good casting. I, I'm also curious just to see uh, about these other two announcements. Um, the fact that Jamie Foxx or uh, Giancarlo Esposito might be involved uh, with the Batman. And it seems like there's some, you know, maybe, maybe not castings and also maybe, maybe not, you know, actual involvement. Did others have any uh, follow-up thoughts regarding uh, these two actors and their possibility of being attachment, either where you can see them fitting well or, uh, you know, what you think about that announcement and what it could bring or take away from uh, the Batman? Brad, your thoughts? Well, I think that Giancarlo Esposito could make a very cool Commissioner Gordon. Uh, that's the first thing that popped into my head when I saw his name come up. Uh, so as far as that goes, yes. But Jamie Foxx? I have no idea. I'm not even going to think about that until we <laughs> until we get something more concrete. I'm not even sure who he could play, given the fact that, you know, like we've said, we don't even know who the villains really are going to be. Uh, so Jamie Foxx, I'm not sure. Uh, Kelly, what do you think? Yeah, um, I mean, they're they're both very talented actors, I think. And I, I'm almost positive I've seen Jamie Foxx play a villain before. I just can't remember what movie well i've seen him in a lot of things um but i know oh that was it was yep. yeah he was electro yeah that was it all right so we know he has the uh the acting chops to play a villain so yeah i mean if they pick them to play a role then good they they both seem like very talented actors steve what do you think with these two i can get a bit more excited because they're two actors i'm really a fan of both of these guys are very, very cool. But in the article, it says they're both being looked at as possibly playing the Riddler. Now there, I'd have to say no. Why are they casting a 30-something Batman to be playing against 50-something villains? That makes no sense to me whatsoever. And Brad, do you know what? Once again, you've scooped out my brain, my brother, because I would agree with you, especially with Giancarlo Esposito. I think he'd make a fantastic Jim Gordon. And for me... Jamie Foxx should be playing his namesake, Lucius, because that's oh, two yeah. casting roles that I could really get behind. I'd love to see those two guys play those two 
outstanding and important supporting characters in the life of the Batman, not the Riddler. If we're going to have a 30-something Batman, we need to have villains of a similar age. Uh, that's what threw the whole Ben Affleck thing in the air because for some reason he was a 40-something Batman for... I still don't understand why. So, yeah, these two actors love to have them on board. Um, but again... <sighs> I want concrete. I don't want custard. Uh, Seth, what do you think? <laughs> if I'm going to have custard, let me have it as a nice dessert after I've enjoyed yeah. a very filling meal. Something with some, you know, substance and sustenance, right? A little meat and potatoes. Absolutely. Or if we're going yep. veggie, you know, just give me some mm. meaty kind of vegetables. Um, but let me have the custard at the end after I've had the filling and sort of got that feeling like, you know what? This has been a complete meal. Why not? But uh, I am going to bring it back to something really kind of fun there, Steve. I, I thought you brought up some interesting points about now we need to think about the age of the actor playing Batman and how the age of the actors who are playing, you know, corresponding roles need to be looked at through that lens. I think it's really important to keep in mind uh, what those ages might mean for how the casting should go and whether or not your really excellent suggestion of uh, Lucius Fox just sounds brilliant now as soon as I've heard it. Um, and also that this also is going to be something I'm going to be, you know, sort of weighing against every other announcement now is, does this character, based on how they compare age-wise with Robert Pattinson, fit as a realistic and likely? Can they pull this off? Because we're not talking about one project. We're talking about multiple so this needs to be something that can be sustained and also feel just as natural as Pattinson as the Robinson, uh, Pattinson as the Batman. Um, and keeping that all in mind, I feel like that changes the way I'm going to be interpreting a lot of these announcements and also feeling like you can tell me that you're going to go ahead and maybe consider them for the Riddler, but I say you're just blowing smoke because yeah, if it's an age absolutely. issue or something else, now I think, yeah, you're sandbagging me and you're going to actually go a different direction with casting, but you want to see my reaction is because you're going to use it for some other sort of judgment or consideration down the line when you actually do cast for those characters. Right now, I think you want to see, again, throw some chum in the water, see how the sharks react, make some you know decisions based on the responses, and then go from there. So uh, I, I do feel like uh, someone is... Uh, is baiting me and uh i'm just gonna let that bait sit let the other let the others go for it and we're all gonna learn together and i think the fact that you know we know the difference between well custard and concrete that's gonna set us apart too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now speaking it, of something oh sorry brad go i was just gonna say i think it'll be a good day on this podcast when we have concrete information to give on some of these villain and uh, secondary character casting. I think we'll all be happy when it's not just rumors and it's something <laughs> confirmed for sure. And I so say agree. we all. So say we all. Now, something that is concrete and something we can all get behind is the concrete premiere date announcement for the upcoming Joker, which has been set for the Venice Film Festival on August 31st, 31st at 7 p.m. Central European time which translates to 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific, 
I don't know if I'm supposed to do something like for the first minute or two, like hold my breath or do some sort of thing in, you know, symbolic reference. Brad? Uh, a little dance. <laughs> Maybe I, just do a little jig. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I... I'm going to say what I said when we talked about it debuting uh, debuting at the uh, Toronto Festival as well, or being a part of the Toronto Film Festival. Uh, I'm happy about it because I want to hear reactions. I want people to talk about it and what they saw. And because I, I, the way that, that, that they're portraying it, this is just going to blow all our socks off. So I, I want to hear that response from people who actually do get to see it. And I wish I would. I wish I could be there. You know, I definitely wish I could be in Venice watching the Joker for its world premiere. Uh, Kelly, what do you think? So I, I'm excited. It's definitely going to be an interesting event, I would say. Um, and we we still have to wait till October, I believe, correct, to actually see the movie. Um, yeah. But you know what? That's fine by me. And actually, thinking about October. There's a little part of my brain that's dreading, or not necessarily dreading this time, but I know when Suicide Squad came out, that Halloween, uh, there were maybe, give or take, 40 Harley Quinn Jokers at every party that I went to. Um, So I'm kind of wondering if this October we're going to see another surge in Joker costumes, or if it's going to be like, I don't know, do you guys remember the Forest Clowns from a few years ago? I might sound totally crazy saying that, but there was right before the movie It came out, a bunch of people seeing just guys dressed as clowns hanging out in the woods all over the United States, yeah. um, which was terrifying and maybe a movie stunt. I don't know. I, um, you know, I, so I'm kind of hoping no to the forest clowns, maybe yes to the Joker costumes, but either way, I am very excited to see this movie. Seth, what do you, or, oh my, Steve, what do you think? I think, for the first time ever, I am glad I don't live in America. Forest clowns. <laughs> I cannot think of anything more terrifying. Oh my, what? This is actually a thing that happened? Yes. Oh, yeah. yep. This can't be the yeah. first time, Steve. Come on. He's just popping out of the woods and scaring people for like months. It was yeah. a huge problem back in 2016. <laughs> and there was rumors that it was a viral marketing for it. Nobody really confirmed or denied it, but he just disappeared. Yeah. Damn. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, I just want to get that thought right out of my head. Otherwise, I'm not going <laughs> to sleep tonight. So, uh, yeah, that's crazy. Um, it's really funny because uh, the family and I went to the cinema today, and before the main feature we got a brand new extended trailer of Joker, which I don't know if it's a European thing or what, but it's completely different to the one we saw a few weeks back that everyone got excited about and longer. There's a lot more to it. And again, the more I'm seeing about this film, the more excited I'm getting. And, the, and I don't know if you've been seeing all the buzz across social media from people who have seen it already. And they're saying, this is going to be an Oscar nominated film. The performances in this film are going to be crazy. This is not a comic book film. This is an art film that just happens to be linked to a character that's appeared in comics. And when you hear comments like that, you just know there's only two ways it can go. This film is going to be amazing or you're just going to watch it and think, oh, damn, that was just a a train wreck. I'm confident that it's going to be the former. It's going to be great. But um, 
yeah, with news of a premiere, Venice Film Festival, which is pure art, and Toronto, I'm going to stay positive, and, and I'm really looking forward to seeing this movie. What about you, Seth? What were your thoughts? I think Kelly is a really smart marketer. I am thoroughly impressed with that idea of how this could lead to this build-up of anticipation from all the press that Brad was talking about from the August 31st showing up through when it hits American audiences on the 4th and then following through into Halloween. I feel there's enough buzz on social media that there are already guys with, uh, you know, dress mannequins set up in their garage with a coat, you know, finding the perfect <laughs> color match eye and planning to scare the living, you know, bejesus out of Kelly and anyone else who plans on partying for Halloween. And maybe they will be gathering in trees because, well, yes, Steve, sadly, this is one of the many problems we have here. We just don't have enough to <laughs> stimulate the population. And so we must at times resort to primal tribal gatherings like dressing in clown outfits and gathering in the woods because that's just what we do. And I'm going to say it again. This can't be the first time that you've been thankful you don't live in the States. There's got to be a couple. Come on. Um, <laughs> we, 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 Not we with you guys movie. there. Oh, <laughs> but the forest clowns. We're the only reason. Yeah, but you've got to make it through the forest of clowns to get to us. And that's, that's, you know. Forest clowns <laughs> can go do one. Don't want to know about the forest clowns. Mommy. Yeah, 2016 was a weird year here. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 yeah, I'd like to say it's the only one. President, there were forest clowns. <laughs> Yeah, and recently it seems that, like Your Martin president is, is a forest clown, let's be honest. <laughs> you know, I'd be okay if he was a forest clown, because then he'd just be in the forest and he'd just be a lurker. I can deal with that, you know. The other aspects are where I have the problems. Um, He's but... more like Forrest Gump. Um... <laughs> you know... If you line the pitch right over the plate and you've got a slugger like Steve J. Ray, he's going to knock it out of the park. And he just did, folks. That sound you hear is a ball traveling through the air and not yet striking the ground because it's still just soaring. He's not a smart man. <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. Just felt like run. <laughs> I like to run. <laughs> On that final note, Moving us I like to run for president. <laughs> Before this becomes a podcast about something completely else, we're going to move into our final uh, movie topic and then take a quick break. And that movie topic, interestingly enough, has to do with a, a very powerful figure in the DC universe, one who's getting her own film. And we just got a chance to see the trailer for the upcoming Wonder Woman Bloodlines. Um, I thought it was gorgeous, but please don't let me influence what you were going to say. Brad, what were your thoughts? Mike? Yeah, I, I liked it a lot. Uh, definitely seems to have a lot of villains, which I think is uh, in, intriguing because the uh, from what I remember, it's been a while since I've seen it. But the only villain in the first Wonder Woman animated was Ares. So expanding on that, seeing her fighting some more of these villains from the comics is uh, kind of a kind of a cool thing to see 
uh, in her own like standalone animated movie. Uh, Kelly, what do you think? So I, oddly enough, and you guys know how much I love Wonder Woman, but I actually had a couple of meh reactions to the trailer. Um, first, that some of the scenes, especially in those uh, those first clips of, I, I assume what's going to be the intro to the movie, looks exactly like the 2017 movie with Gil Godot, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it, I mean, from her her cloak to the ship to the way she's diving in the water and what she's wearing is almost exactly that movie. But then everything else seems a little bit different. And actually that, um, that costume with the, you know, kind of the blue turtleneck silver look for what, and it's a really cool costume. It's a really cool design, but I just, I've never liked it. And it's showed up in a couple of other, um, you know, Wonder Woman animated appearances and, I'm just not a big fan. Something about that costume just doesn't really scream Wonder Woman to me. And, you know, and in that same vein, it's, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, it's supposed to be a standalone movie, but because that is the same costume that she wore in uh, Justice League War, and I think she's worn a few other times too, it's, to me, that would indicate that they're supposed to be connected. So I, a little bit of confusion there, but I will say that I have skeptical hopes for the movie. I love all of their animated movies, so I'm going to choose to be hopeful. Steve? You, you read my mind once again. There was moments of the trailer which were great, like seeing Cheetah and all the other villains and what Brad said that we only saw Ares in the first one. But then you get that whole confusion of why are they doing this whole origin thing again? We saw it in the Gal Gadot live action film. Why are we seeing Steve Trevor arriving at Paradise Island? Why is she leaving and all that stuff? We've seen it. If we're getting a new film, give us a new film. And that's what I found frustrating with Batman Hush as well. They give us so much new stuff and basically buried what was the greatness of the original Hush. I thought, why bother? Why not just give us a new film? Um, and again, I completely agree with you. That new 52 look Wonder Woman costume, just like the new 52 Superman costume, I hate them. I cannot stand them. Um, but they started the DC animated universe with that look. So they want to keep it, I guess, to show the continuity that it's all in the same universe. But yeah good and bad the action looks fantastic the new villains look great um she's a, a wonderful wonder woman um but uh so many other things that are, are turning me off the film so 50 mm, 50 i mean i'll watch it I'll, i watch them all um because like i said on the whole they make some great animated films but mixed emotions with this one uh, what about you seth agree with the mixed emotions um when I was watching that trailer and the first few 30, 40, I don't know how many seconds in that I thought, did I click on the wrong one? Is this like for an older, wait, I've seen this before. Why, what? And then I kept waiting for the twist, you know, that cool moment in the yeah, story where it's it. like, oh, you thought you knew, but this is what was really happening from this. That never happened either, which don't get me wrong. Trailers can set me up. There could be that revelation where, you know, we get to see a character who's off screen and showing us what was really happening at the same time. That's still possible, but I don't see it. And without it, I really feel like, yeah, this is really just covering a lot of ground. We already know why. Uh, regarding the costume, I knew there was something, um, you know, that was sort of 
I don't know, buzzing in my brain about the costume. I I haven't loved Superman's, but like the Wonder Woman, I agree with you know what Steve was saying about the fact that this is how they started off the animated universe. And to maintain this degree of you know consistency, continuity, uh, understanding for the you know the viewers, certain choices like that are going to stay, whether we love them or not. Um, what I'm looking for is. Is it going to be more than just an expanded cast who don't really get a lot of time? Because I love that Brad started this off with this, hey, we get to see so many more villains, which is great, as long as we get to see them more. Because I'm actually hanging out until uh, Hush comes out on DC Universe, I think on the 13th, and um, that's when I'll get a chance to see it. So I'm, I'm curious to, you know, just see what that adaptation's like. But knowing sorry, that there's a possibility, that's okay. No, no first rule, buddy. No blood, no foul. Just like uh, just like playing, you know, like top basketball. <laughs> and uh, when it when it comes to that, it's it's you know it's as long as you're putting the characters up in a way that makes them enjoyable instead of just feeling like you gave us a bit of you know teasing. Uh, I'm gonna have a good time, but if it's just teasing, I'm gonna be really disappointed because it's like going back to the custard. I want something that sustains me. I want something I can sink my teeth into. Yeah. And it's something that we've already mentioned is going to be the make or break kind of crucible when it comes to the Batman and whether or not they have the right number of villains and then use them correctly for the number that they have and the way time is going to be a factor then. So um, I'm hopeful for this simply because I know uh, trailers can leave out the best parts and I understand that, but I do have a lot of the same reservations and I appreciate both Kelly and Steve for bringing those up and uh, you know, sort of keeping them on the forefront as something to already be aware of from the trailer and going into and see whether or not the project has enough strength in it to uh, redeem itself beyond that. But thankfully, we have a moment to pause from that reflection, give everybody a bit of a breather for a palate cleanser while we take a quick break for the ads, pay some bills and make sure you're as fully informed as every DC Comics News fan and podcast fan should be. Thanks for hanging with us until the end of the break. We'll be right back with your TV and streaming news in just a moment. This is Seth Singleton from DC Comics News, here to tell you about the Spinner Rack. Each and every week, DC Comics publishes so many great books, it can be hard to decide where to invest your time and money. And that's where the Spinner Rack comes in. The Spinner Rack is my honest attempt to rate, review, score the top five books from DC Comics each and every week. How can you listen? It's easy. All you have to do is go to your favorite platform, subscribe to DC Comics News Podcasts, and wait for the new episode to load up. Join me each and every week as I sift through the best from DC Comics and pick my top five books. Can't wait to share them with you and to hear your scores when you share them with us right here on the DC Comics News Podcast. Hey there, everybody. This is Josh Rayner, Editor-in-Chief of DC Comics News. Are you planning on heading to Wizard World Comic Con sometime this year? Well, we have a great deal for you. If you are planning to do so, you can get 10% off your ticket purchase by using the code DCNEWS at checkout. That's DC 
N-E-W-S at checkout to save 10% off your tickets for Wizard World. And that's for any city that uh, that they will be doing. So make sure you head over to www.wizardworld.com slash tickets and use the code DCNEWS for 10% off. Back to you guys. And that was our quick ad break. We hope it was quick as it was for us as it was for you or we hope it was as quick for you as it was for us that sounds better i think i'll let you be the judge i don't know no one's booing or hissing so i feel okay and that's a good feeling as we move into a good feeling story the announcement that the original television robin the original voice and face behind the man standing next to batman burt ward received his Hollywood star, and there was a Twitter video, there was a bit of reaction from those of us on this podcast, and I'm going to start out that reaction with response from Brad. Brad, what do you think about this news, about the video clip, and, uh, you know, just another recognition for uh, Mr. Ward, who we'll be seeing soon. I have one thing to say, and that is what took so long. I'm surprised that he doesn't have one already. And really, yes. uh, you know, it's it's about time. Good for him. Uh, he deserves it. Uh, Kelly, what do you think? That was such a genuinely heartwarming video. Um, it's it's really nice to see someone so excited, and especially, I mean, he he played this character so long ago. But I always enjoy seeing actors who keep a fondness for the characters they play and kind of, you know, we'll keep coming back to them and saying, oh, I loved doing this. I'm really excited about this. Um, you know, good for him. It's nice to, that, that's something that would make your whole year, really. It's it's a fantastic thing for him. Um, and yeah, it's the, see, I'm starting to realize that I don't necessarily understand the way the stars on the Walk of Fame work because it's, I mean, there are, real actors, fictional characters, um, you know, other people. And I, so I don't necessarily understand exactly what the criteria is, but he definitely should have already had one. Um, and it's, it's fantastic news for him. What do you think, Steve? Oh, it's well-deserved and well overdue. This is a guy who may have gained a few years maybe a couple of pounds but he's never lost that passion that enthusiasm and like you said brad that love and respect and and care about the character he portrayed so brilliantly i mean when it comes to yes it was a bit camp yes it was a bit cheesy but that energy that lust for life that dick grayson has and had in the comics that's something i still attribute to Burt Ward's portrayal. Gig Grayson has always been that showman that he wore the red and yellow costume because he was a ray of sunshine in Batman's life and to keep him from going totally into the dark side. And his reaction to getting the news, the way he came out with a Robin one-liners just like that and he didn't skip a beat, it just made me happy. That whole clip and this bit of news just made me happy. It's the first piece of news for, from tonight's storylines that just made me want to jump up and down again and, and break the foundations that I had probably paid thousands to fix after the whole dancing episode a few weeks back. So listen, I'm going to break my floor again because I'm jumping up and down with glee. That made me happy. Burt Ward, well-deserved. Good on you. What did you think, Seth? 
The first thing I'm going to do is just go ahead and praise Steve J. Ray right now for the fact that he must have <laughs> phenomenal cardio. Because if I jumped in down, up and down as much as you do in these podcasts, all you'd hear is wheezing, gasping, coughing, sputtering. So my friend, one, kudos, bravo. You should see the way my cat's looking at me right now. <laughs> I'm, I'm a, do you spend like a half hour on a trampoline every morning, just sort of like, you know, kickstarting your day? Is it just, is it just intuitive? Is it just, I mean, that's, that's really quite lovely and, you know, a bit humbling. So I'm going to start with that. I'm going to follow with the fact that Thank I you. love this. My pleasure, my friend. I love the, uh, the way that we've uh, all sort of come around this announcement with the recognition of one way overdue. So Brad, I don't know what took so long, but Kelly, I'm with you. Um, I also do not understand the process and I'm just going to say it now. I want to now do a podcast about, what the process is to get the star and then how we feel about that. And then what characters we think should be on it. Just putting it out there, just, you know, some, some side topic, whatever we want to dig down on that and really, you know, I like that. Get in there because I think that would be a lot of fun because right now, as you said, I thought there's like got to be a committee. You need some money. You got to grease some palms. You know, you got to be able to get that fish from that place for the dinner. When you have the conversation about the, I don't know, but, I like the plan and I like the topic. Um, when it comes to the enthusiasm of Burt Ward, that was my first introduction to Robin. I remember seeing the television show on at other people's houses because it wasn't something that uh, was on at my house. It's just not the way our uh, television setup worked. But whenever I got the chance to see it, the one thing that always came across so clear was this explosive energy this raw enthusiasm and this ability to convey it in the catchiest quippiest one-liners i'd ever heard um and to this day i'm still amazed by and the video shows that clearly he hasn't lost a step and that there's this recognition it's something that i really remember hearing once from mark hamill and it was around the time they were uh, re-releasing star wars and it was after they'd had such a long drought and actually having any new material. First, they were releasing the old ones, and they were going to come out with the prequels. And he said, you know, sometimes I would get down on myself for, you know, things that, you know, didn't work out in my career. And sometimes I took it out on uh, Luke Skywalker. And he said, but afterwards, I had this sort of, like, recognition of, hey, you know, you've done a lot of things. You've played Shakespeare. You know, you've done all these different roles. But, you know, you have to recognize that sometimes something that might not be as the most important thing to you, if you recognize it as it's important to the fans, it's a whole other way of embracing the character you played. And this seems like something that Burt Ward never had to remember. Seems like something that he understood from the moment he became Robin and that as far as he was concerned, he never stopped being Robin. He knew that what he was doing with this character was not only a joy for him, but for everyone who got to meet him or witness him on television, or even in the original Batman movie. And I think when you see the way in this video that he's so excited about this, you can see what it really means when someone says, I know exactly what I'm doing, exactly how important this is to other people, and exactly you know, how endearing and how impressive that can be when you give it all of the attention it deserves, which... I believe he's clearly done. And if there's a mark for getting a star, I can't think of a better one for someone to use as a measuring stick. Because clearly, Burt Ward is deserving, and clearly, 
he set the bar, well, in my opinion, quite high. Well said. Nicely done. Yeah, pleasures, friend. Um, happy to share, especially when, as we pointed out, it was such a heartwarming story. And it's nice to go ahead and follow good news with good. I like it when they come in threes or more. And the second announcement that is sort of charging through our TV and streaming news is the Titan Season 2 trailer. For weeks, nay, months, we've had casting rumors, announcements, even a recent tragedy. And there's been so much curiosity, speculation, questions leading into Titan Season 2 that the trailer is our first peek at what all the talking has been about. Brad, what was your response to this first glimpse of the upcoming Season 2? Well, it looks like Connor has some good pants, so that's good to see. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, baby. But, I had faith in you to kick that off without any sort of lead-in. I was yeah. like, "Come on, Brad, just take the bit, buddy." <laughs> uh, it it looks good, man. I'm looking forward to September. Um, yeah, I, I like seeing crypto too. That was kind of fun. Um, and looks like Hawk and Dub have a pretty big role bigger than I was kind of expecting from what I saw in the trailer. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. Looking forward to, when was that? September 6th, I think it is. Something like that. For when, it, uh, when the first episode uh, drops. Kelly, what do you think? I first started, and it's funny you mentioned crypto, because when I saw that, that little dog tag clip, um, it just occurred to me that I've kind of had the Crypto the Superdog theme song stuck in my head for like 12 years. I, I didn't know that that was what the background music was and then I saw that and now there's words to it and I'm like oh all right so that's what I've been listening to in my head since I was nine but um I it it looks really really good and how different are those depictions of Robin if we think of um you know with with the 1960s Robin with everything that we just talked about and then that clip opens up with uh Robin saying titans are, are are back uh I, I don't know if I can say that on that word on this show, but well, I'm it, <laughs> that's exactly that's and it's really funny to see how different portrayals of you know the same type of character can play out through different generations because obviously this Titans is a lot grittier than anything we've ever seen before and it, I think it's very true to you know the the viewers that are coming of age right now. Um, and maybe bring something a little bit di- different to an understanding of Batman that, you know, it would have brought in the 1960s with. It was campy, but it was also classic and fun and really, really involved. So I'm excited. I, I think it'll be a good season. I don't see, I mean, like you said, Brad, he has good pants on. So to me, that, that all signs point to go. It looks good to me. <laughs> what do you think, Seth? Actually, I'm going to let Steve pick up, and then I'll swing right behind Oh, my God, Steve. I keep doing that. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's because we were separated at birth, and we we're identical twins. Exactly. We sound identical. When you have us both on the phone, you really can't tell the difference. It's okay. I, I, you know what? That's, you, you guys are very similar. <laughs> yeah, we are. Yes, we are. Um, no, listen. Now, that as opposed to the Wonder Woman trailer, 
that was a trailer. Wowza, so much happening. And if I had one tiny gripe about Titan Season 1, is that there was a little bit too much separate characters and, and, and universe building throughout the season and not enough of the team. For what I'm seeing in this trailer, that's a team walking down the corridor in full costume, ready to go out there and kick some butt. And that gets me really happy. And then that reveal at the end with Deathstroke. Wowza, wowza, wowza. I we I don't think we ever got the crypto cartoon here, so I, I wish I, I I knew the song you were talking about, Kelly, and I really want to hear it now. I think I'm gonna play the trailer again, and then I'm gonna do some interweb type net worldwide thing searching to see if I can find that. But that trailer was great. I'm more excited. It's next month, folks. We're getting the Titans in just a couple of weeks. Twin, what did you think? <laughs> well. I'm not going to reveal that you can already read my thoughts and know everything I'm about to say right now. That would just be a disservice to everyone. Guys, we don't talk about you. We talk about things that relate to you. But when it comes to what I have to do share publicly, it is, uh, one, a great, really just positive reaction from this Titans trailer. Uh, I loved actually getting the moment to see Bruce Wayne. Um, and, you know, his reference somewhat derisively to the, uh, the Titans. I loved also these great little details that to me just sort of stuck out the crypto tag. Uh, the moment when I realized that Raven has her, I believe it's called her soul stone, the red stone in her forehead. Um, or yes, soul, indeed. Uh, soul stone. And, and what that sort of, you know, development is going to be with the character when we get to see how that becomes a part of her channeling her, you know, abilities and using that as a, as a focal point. Um, I felt like this did such a great job of also giving just great teases of characters like Aqualad, who, you know, I just sort of saw in the background, but it's not like he was like, yeah, well, you know, there's this new guy, Aqualad. Instead, it was just like, hey, he's there. You'll get to know him. But right now, this is just part of him as part of this trailer. Uh, I felt that overall, um, it built up all the anticipation. And it also had that great cliffhanger that was referenced. That that moment where, and I love the voiceover that, I'm not sure it was from, uh, you know, exactly that same scene. It almost felt like it was lifted from another scene. But I'm pretty sure it's Beast Boy saying, it's true, Deathstroke. And that, that reverence, that sort of recognition of like, oh, you don't know Deathstroke? Don't worry. You're going to hear enough, but that by the time you do see him, you're going to have that same sort of, oh, God feeling that Beast Boy just expressed. And I think if you are building anticipation for something that, as Steve has pointed out, is only weeks away, what better way to do it than to tease a character who really everyone's been wanting more of since we first got the chance to see a portrayal from the Arrow series. Um, so those are my, my initial reactions to it. Um, I think it's, uh, you know, just a great lead in and a way to build the anticipation that, I already had as soon as this first season ended. And I was like, oh, come on. You left me with this cliffhanger? You got to finish this. So I was already there. This is just throwing more fuel on the fire. I don't mind burning bright as long as you don't mind me getting a little smoky. Yep. (laughs) Um, 
Keeping on with the uh, positive TV and streaming news is the announcement that CW will now be streaming full seasons starting this fall. Now, this is a big changeup from what had been part of the original arrangement with Netflix, which will still exist in its current form, but of course be, you know, making these modernizations into this upcoming season and for apparently future seasons. Brad, what do you think about this announcement? Does it mean anything for you about your viewing of the uh, CW universe, Netflix, CW, any and all involved? You know, I do love this news because I find myself, life gets busy and there's so much content out there that with the CW shows, I tend to fall behind. And when I do, I end up falling so much behind that I have to wait for Netflix. Now I don't necessarily have to do that if they're streaming the whole season. Now, Black Lightning, I do keep up with because I do I review it for the for the website. But other than that, I, I even despite my best efforts, I get stuck being a few episodes behind so that I can go to that streaming uh, to the app and just watch it all. I, I love it. Anything that you know gives me more options to stay caught up, I love. Kelly, what do you think? I this is fantastic news for me because I am extremely behind. I've seen precious little of a majority of the Arrowverse shows. Um, so yeah, having somewhere to actually go and watch all of them in order and stay up to date is it's fantastic news. And I like the fact that. Um, you know, in spite of all of the kind of change-ups that have been going on with different streaming services and not being sure where shows are going to land or how we're going to be able to watch them, I like that the CW is kind of stepping forward and doing, you know, it seems like it'll be their own thing and their own um, way of keeping fans in the loop. It's definitely really good news. Steve? It must be so, so different. Again, this is one time, I think, where I'm actually quite glad I'm not there because... It seems like you've got to literally pick and choose which um, services you use to which watch which shows. And I know I've complained that we don't get the DC Universe here because of the whole monopoly that Sky has. But the one beautiful part of that is is that Sky shows all the Arrowverse shows literally within 24, 48 hours of the US in the same order on one channel, on one uh, network. So... I, I, I'm really glad that this is going to be a help to everyone over there to catch up with the shows, stay in touch with the shows and not have to skip providers, skip services. That sounds like a nightmare. Um, so I'll have to say thank you, Sky, for keeping all those shows together and, and letting us see them so soon after the US that we're not bombarded with spoilers straight away. So, yeah, this must be great news. Um, obviously, it doesn't really affect me over here in our tiny little island nation, but um, anything that makes you guys happy makes me happy. So bring it on. Seth, what did you think? Steve, anything that makes you, Kelly and Brad happy always makes me happy. I like to hang out with a happy team. I like it when we're all in a good mood. This is good news. Um, I love that CW is expanding um, its ability to provide this service for its fans. I actually got into Arrow, I think it's, season or two after it already premiered so for me i was able to catch up with some of it on netflix and some i actually just had to stream off the laptop because this was before we'd even gotten into the full streaming service options that we currently have available i think the more you expand the greater the opportunity you provide for more people to join in on great quality content 
catch up and then engage with others. Um, and I understand what it's like to fall behind. There's so many shows I would love to start. Some of them I want to and I can on my own. It's just about making time. Others, uh, I know my wife is into. And when I mention it, she's like, yeah, yeah, you're waiting for me. We're watching that together. And that creates some timing issues. And having more options available just makes it easier for those who might have an interest to have one less, you know, distraction, diversion, or determined from, you know, enjoying that. I say make it easier for them to enjoy and watch your fan base grow and go ahead and self and, you know, clap yourself on the back for a brilliant idea that just makes a lot of sense. Um, Steve, I am thankful that, again, this is something you don't have to deal with because while you sometimes miss out on some of the things we get to experience first, you also don't get the growing pains that comes when yeah, one absolutely. place has it first and the next place has something second. And then if you want to watch these other three shows, I mean, you know, subscribe, <laughs> pay the monthly. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, yeah. The beauty part with Sky as well is even if you miss an episode, you can literally get it on catch up TV on demand, whatever you want. As soon as it's aired, you can watch it whenever you like for the next six months to a year. And whenever a new series launches, they tend to put box sets of all the previous seasons up as well. So actually, I think in that respect, we're very fortunate over here. On that one, we're going to have to agree with you, my friend. And I'm sure that any listeners who, you know, might have had similar qualms that you've raised about not being able to access certain things can take some, you know, solace and consolation in the fact that you guys do have an amazingly impressive setup when it comes to the services that we're still trying to get lined up like ducks, right? Um, continuing with the happy, happy news for many and well, I'm sure that who this affects is quite a large number. But the confirmation from Kevin Conroy himself that he will play an older Bruce Wayne on the Arrowverse crossover that is coming up this fall. Brad, we've already had some announcement about this. How does this new information change your thoughts about the crossover or anything else regarding it? Or does it change anything at all for you? Well, I think the important thing about this article to me is the fact that it said that he will be playing a live action version, not an animated version, because there were rumors that they would have uh, have some kind of animated Earth in there. But I think that that's great because there are so many, so many Batman fans that view him as the best Batman ever. And the fact that he can finally play that role uh in live action, see his face. Just, I, I think it's great. I think that uh, he's got so many fans too, and they're all going to be ecstatic. So I think that yeah, I can't wait. And it does. It makes me more excited for the crossover than uh, than ever. So I, yeah, yeah, I'm definitely down for this. Kelly, what do you think? This is such exciting news, and I'm sure he must be very excited to get to play, you know, a live action Bruce Wayne when he's been in the the animated voice of Batman for so long. And actually it's funny because I saw him, I saw his panel at Wizard World Philly a couple months back. And I mean, what a great guy. He's just seemed so friendly and down to earth and, you know, answered everybody's questions, was just very engaging. And it's funny that we were talking earlier about the, um, 
you know, the Matt Reeves Batman and Robert Pattinson and all that, because somebody, it was the weekend that that got announced and somebody asked him how he feels about Robert Pattinson playing Batman. And they kind of asked him in a way that almost seemed as if they wanted him to talk down about it. And he was so encouraging and just very, you know, it's, it's nice to see people give their own takes on these characters and, you know, what a good actor he seems like, and he's excited to see it. Um, so yeah, I, more Kevin Conroy, please. He is a fantastic person, it seems like. Um, Steve, what do you think? Exactly that. He is one of the greatest ambassadors for the business ever. And this to me, uh, I, I'm not exaggerating. After my wife saying yes and the birth of my son, this is actually some of the best news I've ever heard in my entire life. I think Kevin Conroy is a legend. He is the most prolific, hardworking Batman of all time. His is the voice I hear when I read a comic book. He is the Batman. And finally, to see him play that character on screen as part of a huge multi-chapter crossover in the biggest TV universe of all, Again, just like Burt Ward getting his star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, it's about damn time. I'm a huge Kevin Conroy fan, always have been, always will be. And getting the joy to watch all of the Batman and the animated series again for, for the podcast we're making. Um, oh, I'm just so happy. Really, really, really. If you could see me now, you'd think I was the Joker, except rounder and more penguin looking but that's how happy i am seth what did you make of this brilliant brilliant news my friend i really think this is one of those great examples of somebody putting in their time paying their dues and finally being rewarded sometimes it seems like the reward comes 10 or 15 years later than it should have maybe it's just when it fits best and the opportunity is perfect but I think the fact that it happening is probably the one thing that should always be sort of the focal point. And for me, when it comes to this story, the first thing that I could think of was, wow, you know, I've heard it said on more than a few occasions that it's the voice that makes the character, the ability to embrace that. I mean, mock it or not, but Christian Bale created a very distinguished, uh, well, distinctive, distinguished less so, distinctive voice for his portrayal of Batman. And it's one that was either positive or positively received or maybe uh, ribbingly mocked or uh, just sort of, you know, a confusing thing. But it was a voice that was created for the character and one that was sustained. And it's one that I've always come to identify with, uh, with his portrayal of Batman. I feel like Kevin Conroy has spent so much time honing the voice um, it also makes me think of this great West Wing episode where they had Jimmy Smith coming in as an incoming presidential candidate, and they needed him in a speech to sound presidential. And I love the fact that at one point one of the characters says, well, you know, in order to have the presidential voice, you have to be presidential. And someone else said, no, 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 actually, you have to, you know, you have to act presidential. You can't wait until you're president. You have to act it. And I feel like in many ways, Kevin Conroy has spent so much time crafting and embracing and almost like wearing as a second skin that voice that what he's going to be able to do on screen. And I'll be honest with you, I never believed he was going to be anything else but a live action appearance. Uh, that other stuff about maybe he's just a voice or something else never really flew with me. It just 
would have felt like such a rug pulling moment, you know, after all these years of, of not having him play on screen, uh, a character that he's already shown. And actually this thing really sort of just did a little funny thing in my brain as I was looking back over this story, because I really feel that there's something interesting about having his casting in this. When you look at the, uh, the lineup for the crossover and the fact that they're going to have this giant break from December 10th till January 14th. And it seems like this would be one of those great That's characters. Yeah, it is. But I feel like there's something that you could do with Kevin Conroy as future Batman right at that cliffhanger, stepping in right before the break and saying, so here's something you didn't know. And then we're left for 30 days lingering over what it could be and knowing that if it's coming from him, there's a certain gravitas, weight, importance coming with it. And there's just something that seems like it's, it's really being well thought when it comes to this casting and using this character, because it's like, you don't know how many other opportunities are going to come up in the right amount of time to have him in a role like this. And if you do, you want to sort of take full advantage of it. Right. So that was the last thing that I was sort of left with when I was looking at that giant break was, you know, with his casting, you could really do something interesting here or put him in a life or death situation, right? The cliffhanger and just add all that emotional impact of dude, you can't put Kevin Conroy on screen and then kill him off in the crossover, you jerks. So, you know, however they end up playing it out, I feel like this is going to be a really great moment for everybody who's come to know this voice and finally gets a chance to see it on screen and in a great, you know, crossover where Burt Ward and so many others are, are going to be doing things that, you know, as fans, we can only stand up and cheer. I mean, I will be. I'll be in here. And none yeah. of you will be able to see me, but that's what I'll be doing. And if you ask me, I might deny it. You won't see me. You don't know. <laughs> yeah, that, we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know me. Whatever. Steve and I are both dancing around. He just sounds better than I do. And I'm going to catch my breath because I get out of breath. <laughs> Thankfully, yoga. Break coming up for the ad. Oh, God. Yoga. Yeah. Yogurt. Um, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back with that oh so lovely source material that we just can't stop talking about and always inspires these great mediums we get to experience but we've got to take that break for those ads and we thank you for your patience hang out we're coming right back hey there everybody this is josh rayner editor-in-chief of dc comics news are you planning on heading to Wizard World Comic Con sometime this year? Well, we have a great deal for you. If you are planning to do so, you can get 10% off your ticket purchase by using the code DCNEWS at checkout. That's D-C-N-E-W-S at checkout to save 10% off your tickets for Wizard World. And that's for any city that, uh, that they will be doing. So make sure you head over to www.wizardworld.com tickets and use the code DCNEWS for 10% off. Back to you guys. And we thank you once again for your kindness and your patience. This is the DC Comics News Podcast. We're back with comic book news, the source material that seems to drive everything about the conversations you hear on this podcast. And the one leading off our list of headlines today on the comic book side is Jim Lee talking about the future of DC's digital content. 
we had some really fun, uplifting conversations about our last sort of category of content. Sadly, we're not kicking off the comic book side with anything quite as heartening. Brad, what were your thoughts about this announcement regarding DC and digital content? Uh, you know, as far as the video content, I just want it to remain up so that we can watch it. I don't care if it's on the DC Universe or if it's on HBO Max or, you know, I just I just want it to be available because that's one great thing about the DC Universe streaming service right now is that they have all that old stuff up there that we can watch that I never had a chance to see before. And I just, I love that. And I don't want to lose that. As far as digital comics, it's, it's not surprising. Um, I, I do think that the subscription service is the way of the future. Uh, if you go to Comixology, you're, if you want to buy your comics digitally, it costs the same as if you went into the comic shop. And having that comic in your hand there's nothing like it in the world. So for me, I've never been a big fan of uh, digital comics. However, under a subscription service, I would like it better because then I could just go and pick and choose like, well, something I haven't read in a while and it's here. Oh, cool. There it is. Boom. I can, you know, I don't have to buy an individual issue for that. Um you know, I just, uh, I, you know, I'm not a businessman, so I, I, I don't have any advice to give them as far as to how to improve it, other than as a fan, I just, I like options. So as much as I prefer to have the comic in my hand, if I have to go to a subscription service to find something, as long as it's there, I'm fine with it. Um, but bottom line, I just wish people would go into stores and buy by the actual comic books. Kelly, what do you have to say? I, I actually agree completely, Brad. I'm such a physical book person. I, as you guys know, I have my purse book. I, I like to hold the books that I get. And, and and yes, it's if you buy one from any of the online retailers, including Comixology, it is roughly the same as actually going out to buy the same book. Um, and yeah, I, I think the only times I've really bought digital comic books is if I already had the physical one. And, you know, I, I did this with a book not too long ago where I had volume one of something and it was amazing. And then I went online and saw that the first issue of volume two was available. So I went on and got it. Um, but, but then I'm still going to go out most likely and buy the actual paper version when it's ready because it just, it doesn't feel like a real book to me if I can't hold it. And even the same with, um, you know, the titles they have on the, the DC Universe app, I actually started reading, I don't even remember what it is now, but I started reading something over the weekend just as, you know, a kind of for fun. And it, I feel as though it just doesn't make as much of an impression if you can't hold the physical book. And I don't really have any suggestions for them on how to make that more of a, uh, more of a standout thing. And I, I think part of it is when you spend money on something, you like to actually hold the object that you bought. Whereas, you know, when it's a book that's online, it, it, what if the app goes away? Do you lose your books? What happens? I, that sort of thing is what would concern me, especially that I like building, you know, an actual collection on a bookshelf in my home. Um, so yeah, it's, it doesn't surprise me, but I do hope they figure it out. Uh, what do you think, Steve? I have to echo what both of you said already. There's something just magic about 
going to your comic book store, picking up your pull list, getting home, tearing the bit of tape off the plastic bag, pulling out the book and the smell and the feel and the, the turning of the page of a real comic book in your hands is something I've loved my entire life. And a digital comic, while it's really cool if you're going away on vacation, if you're on the beach, so it doesn't get splashed and soggy and wet and damaged. It's great. There's something magical about holding a comic book. However, having said that, that's because I don't prescribe to the whole comicsology thing and buying books online. Having an archive of classic stuff and historical comics that would be extremely expensive to get physical copies of and having them, like Seth was saying, on your Xbox and able to look out on a massive screen in the comfort of your own home and say, said, oh, I'm rereading right now. I'm rereading... Um, Infinite Crisis, we're going to go through 52, Trinity, Countdown, all that stuff as well. And when they refer to an old story, have, being able to just flick on your TV, switching off on your gaming console and having a library, an archive of comics that you might not already own, that does appeal to me. So I think that maybe what DC need to do is concentrate more on that subscription service because paying 10 bucks a month and having amazing new TV content all the DC movies and animation and a library of thousands and thousands of comic books makes much more sense than going out and paying uh, for a digital comic book on a different service when you can actually have the real thing. So I think maybe don't go out and buy a digital comic, have that subscription service. And then if you want to buy it, get the real one, get the magic paper, turn the page glory that is a comic book that, that's what i think anyway i do agree with you both kelly brad what about you seth how do you see it it's a challenge because i know that at some point if you live in an apartment like i do space becomes an issue <laughs> at some point you can only have so many things and i also feel that you know for those who like comics but are looking for a way in that doesn't require uh, a heavy investment initially in both those reasons digital content makes a lot of sense i also agree with what you were saying just a minute ago about when you're traveling um it can be really hard to bring my my favorite books with me because i'm terrified they're all going to get damaged by some terrible fluke and that's it like i just did the stupid thing and there goes all that you know joy i love just now just a crumpled mess uh, or torn, damaged, however it might be. And in those instances, it makes a lot of sense. For me, actually, it's interesting because Comixology, before we had DC Universe or any sort of subscription service through DC, was a way I could get back into sort of just remembering what it was I loved about certain old stories. And I was a cheap, I mean, I only got the free ones. I only read stuff that was free for the longest time. Uh, every once in a while, they'd have some massive sale for like 99 cents on, uh, you know, a title I liked that I'd always wanted to read. And it would cost more for me to try and find it all in physical copies. But it was that sort of initial reintroduction again that led to my wanting that I think Kelly started off the description so well with and, and Brad uh, and Steve have echoed so well the idea of what it means to hold something in your hands. And how I don't mind having digital content like movies that I just purchase digitally. It's just stored on a cloud somewhere and I just plink it and access it. And as I mentioned, when it comes to comics, it, it can be nice with DC Universe 
being able to, as I've recently done, read the original Swamp Thing at the encouragement of so many others and really come to, you know, just embrace and enjoy. Um, and knowing that if I wanted to for a long trip, I could download a, a, a trade and, and have that just as one simple device or one simple, you know, thing to access on my, you know, digital device. I'm always going to want those books and it's actually something I've begun to actually create more space in my apartment and life for because when torn between the two I really can only look at you know two choices do I want to say I own a digital copy of art or do I want to say I own an original and when it comes to every comic book I believe they're all original pieces of art and if it's that important to me I want to hold the damn thing in my hands um, and and that's where the importance is, the ability to hold it, look at it, share it. And uh, thank you for those tactile descriptions, those sensory descriptions, because, yeah, the smell is one of those things I will always remember walking into the little comic book shop they had in my town. And it's that smell that when I open up old issues, I'm instantly transported to everything that created that smell from my memory, however many decades it was ago. And you can't put a price tag on that. The ability to capture that memory and hold it in your hands and always be able to come back to it, you know, there's a reason why they use the word priceless, and that's a perfect example right there. So uh, I understand that digital content's going to have to find a way forward. I think the description, the subscription idea that's been suggested is a great one, but I think at some point there's going to have to be a recognition that Unless something changes, there will always be that tactile desire to hold it in your hand, to experience it, to, to smell it. And if you eat your comic books, I'm not judging you to taste it, um, but to sort of just like have that very, you know, five senses experience with it. And you can't get that from digital content. Whatever the marriage looks yeah. like moving forward, you know, I hope they figure it out. But for right now, I know where my heart is, and you guys have already described it so well that I'm just happy to echo along and say, yeah, you, you got it right. And until they solve that equation, guess what? My variable X still equals comics. Hard copy. Mm -hmm. Thank you. <laughs> um, Nicely said. I, I, ah, pleasures. You guys make it so easy when you go ahead and, you know, get the brain going with all your great suggestions to allow me to just summarize and pile on. Um, now, this is, of course, just part of a series that are the somewhat unpleasant topics in comics right now. And continuing with that theme is the uh, statement by Dan Didio, who has continued to voice concerns over the effects of nostalgia markets on the current comic book market. Uh, this is something we've been talking about for a little while now, Brad. Uh, as the conversation continues, does anything about either your thoughts on his opinions or how the conversation is going change your opinion anyway, or, you know, it, does this do anything different for you? It does not because with stories like this, I can't, I can't come to it from any angle other than as a super fan. And I continue to love this culture so much, not because of anything retro as much as I love what's going on now. And for me personally, it's not about the nostalgia. And I, we've all on this podcast have talked about certain things and how they got us into things. And, you know, we've all we've all done that. But I think the reason why we still continue to do this podcast 
is that we love what's going on with the culture right now. So I just, I, I don't know because this is not, this is not part of my experience with it. I don't, I don't come at it from uh, a retro angle. Um, as far as it hurting the industry, I just, I, I don't know because it, it, you know, if it keeps the same people reading the same books, that's bad. And what we need is more people reading new books. So, you know, once again, I'm not a businessman. So, uh, anyway, <laughs> I'll stop rambling. Kelly, what did you think? <laughs> I, I would say 90% of the time, I'm not so much a nostalgia fan. I tend to gravitate towards newer books and newer stories. Um, but then at the same time, I can also say that I, I I'm, and I'm pretty sure I mentioned this to you guys before, recently bought another copy of Kingdom Come because it came out with a new cover. So in a way, it kind of works on both ends for me, where I will buy you know, the variant covers and the new editions and the re-release stuff, but then I'm also constantly looking for new titles. So, um, yeah, Brad, I'd say I agree with you that it's not really a problem I've experienced personally. It's not something that I'm aware of, but I also, you know, I'm, I'm not a businesswoman. I don't see the numbers. I don't really know what's, uh, you know, I, I would hope that that's still a good thing. Um, Steve, what do you think? Again, I love comic books and everything about them i love picking up old favorites from the shelf i love going to the comic book store and picking up my new titles i I don't see why there has to be a battle between the two because a lot of the times what my favorite writers are doing right now is creating brand new stories that also hark back and show a love and care for what's come before that that I share and they're shedding new light on old stories and I don't see why that's necessarily a bad thing I'd rather have that than uh, what some comic companies do and launch these almighty gigantic crossovers that force you to read titles that you would never in a million years read otherwise just because they're forming part of an ongoing crossover uh, and what i love about dc with this ongoing year of the villain thing is that um you can pick up all the issues if you want to but if you just pick up the main miniseries you'll get the basics of the whole story without having to drown yourself in other stuff so i love looking at old stuff especially like we, we said about the facility editions that mr didio doesn't seem to like at all and he, he seems to hate them then why is he still publishing them and we've also said that, you know, people are buying comics, whether it's nostalgic reprints or new stuff, you're still selling comics. Um, I don't quite get that dichotomy and why there should be that battle. Listen, if you like old stuff, buy your old stuff. If your old copies are falling apart and you need to buy a replacement, great. If you like a new cover, brilliant, buy it. Um, why should we have to choose? I love comics, always have, always will. I'll read my old stuff. I'll buy the new stuff. Let us have the choice. Why do you want to take a choice away? Um, I just can't get my head around it completely. What do you make of all of it, Seth? I think it's important not to rest on your laurels. 
So I can understand if the argument that was being made here by Mr. Didio about nostalgia was about just trying to rehash and repeat the same things. But that's not what I see going on. I listen to everything that you guys say every episode, whether I'm on it or not. And what I keep hearing is about, you know, great character development, great story ideas, original takes on classic characters. And what I'm hearing from him are concerns that I think would have been more important to have heard back in like 1993 and 94, where we saw things like the speculator market, you know, kind of destroy the event that was known as the death and eventual Superman live storylines and how those in many ways sort of broke the market in a way it never really recovered from. I also would think that he would have been a student of not only comic book history overall, but recent comic book history. And he would have seen that change, while good change and positive change is good, change for change's sake is never a good idea. DC has tried on a few occasions to make somewhat, you know, extensive, somewhat minute changes. And when they're done more for the change of change's sake than they are for the intent behind the character, audiences can smell that. It smells like bad fish. And they don't want bad fish. They're not going to buy it. What they do recognize is when something is told with quality and passion. And more often than not, quality and passion come from the history of comics that the current stories are built on. When you try and cut that out, you're really doing a disservice not only to the history and the work done by all those before you, but to the fans who deserve a connection to that. So while I understand that he has a problem with overinflating how these effects on sales are something to be aware of. Um, we know that these exi- things exist in all kinds of other markets and they thrive. It's kind of a well-known fact, at least where I live, that if a new shoe is coming out and there's 50 guys lined up to get it, every single one of those guys is buying more than one pair of shoes. Why do you think that is? There's a limited number and they know the value. And they're either going to keep them for that value, they're going to sell them for that value. But as far as I'm concerned, if it's providing dollars to the manufacturer, that's profit that they should be supporting, I would think. And I struggle, as I think Brad pointed out, you know, correctly, uh, without the the best understanding of business, how it is that this is actually a problem. Um, Where it might be coming into play, I'm not sure, but... I'd like to think that collectors, investors, fans of comic books know their history pretty well. And that 1994-95 and the glut into the early 2000s are something we still remember. And not always fondly, but with an awareness and a sort of recognition that we're buying books for different reasons than those were back then. And the reasons we're still buying them and remembering the nostalgia has something to do with more about the story and the characters than it does anything to do with your bottom line. If we're the fans, we want this and we're buying it. Where's the problem? And I'd love to hear an answer from Dan. You know what? You're going to hear my information at the end. Give me a shout out on your favorite social media. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. So (laughs) that's my response to that. You know, like, okay, buddy, you just explain what the problem is. And I'm, I'm happy to listen. Um, unfortunately, this isn't the only, uh, 
less pleasurable, uh, not so enjoyable topic. And it's uh, not the last. Our final story on the comic book side is yet uh, another disappointment and something that is not new news. And it's the announcement that Shazam number seven has been pushed back for now a total of 13 weeks, affecting number eight and number 11, creating a bi-monthly, weekly, I don't know, every other day publishing schedule now. Brad, did you have any thoughts about this? Or are you like me and just putting your fingers in your ears, closing your eyes, and waiting for somebody to tell you what it's all over? <laughs> yeah, the, the only thing worse than Batman fatigue is Shazam fatigue as far as these <laughs> issues getting put back, really. Um, I'm just going to stick with what I said you know, before on this topic. It, it, it causes it to lose momentum. Um, you know, at this point, I, I'm already waiting on the trade anyway. But if I had been collecting the issues, I would have stopped and said, OK, I'm just going to wait for the trade. Um, and that's a problem. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this is something that we've all talked at length about. So, Kelly, what do you think? I Yeah, I and I'm such a big fan of creators having the time that they need to make or, you know, to tell the story that they're trying to tell and to put the effort that they want to put into it. Um, and maybe he's just spreading himself a little too thin, but I am concerned, you know, like you were saying, Brad, that it's going to lose momentum and people are going to stop being as interested in Shazam, um, especially because the title itself kind of piggybacks on the popularity of the movie. The further we get from the movie, the further we get into that lull between the first one and the second one. Um, and the less likely it is that fans will remember to come back and keep picking it up. So I, I do have some concerns there. Um, my hope is that whatever is delaying the creation kind of picks up a little bit. But yeah, it's that that's definitely not good news. Steve, what do you think? I think I don't want to talk about this anymore. <laughs> that's what I think. <laughs> Um, it's just, it's just ridiculous. And I am getting more and more concerned about the status of Jeff Johns, because now it's also come to light in this latest article that even the Stargirl series has been affected and pushed back. So I'm just really worried that this guy is not well. Um, and that is a valid reason for these delays to happen. But, um, listen, rather than keep hearing every week, it's been delayed. It's been delayed. It's been delayed. Why not just get a news report when the book comes out and say, hey, the news Shazam's out, go buy it and let the guy rest, let the guy recover or, or, or give readers and viewers something a bit more concrete because at the moment all we're getting told is it's been delayed, it's been delayed, it's been delayed, but no reasons why, no explanation, just it's been delayed. And that just makes me worry and more concerned about one of my favorite writers, uh, someone who's passionate about comics, someone who's always come across um, whenever I've seen him speak or, or, or say anything that he loves the medium. And while I'm really annoyed and missing the next issue and hate that, that um, cliffhanger ending and I want to read more, I am now just really worried about a guy who I'm a fan of. And we just need some kind of concrete, listen, Jeff's not doing this because. And then I just want to hear the books out. Um, because it's, just, it's, it's just getting crazy now. And it's everything he's doing. It's not just Shazam. It's Doomsday Clock and now 
the Stargirl TV show. So I, I honestly don't want to see this story again, to be to be quite honest. Uh, Seth, how, how do you feel about this whole thing? I feel like if Mr. Didio wants to talk about problems, this should be a problem that's addressed because clearly something has occurred, right? So we should, if we're going to encourage creators to grow and expand, we should make sure or, or there, someone should be making sure someone who can put these structures in place should have support structures in place for artists when they start branching out as far as Mr. Johns has. If he's doing all these different things and a strain begins to show, there needs to be more than, okay, well, how about in two weeks? Okay, we'll tell everybody two weeks. And then two weeks from then, have the same conversation again. For whatever reason, there's a delay, defer, you know, uh, I don't know what the other word would be. It's not deny, but right now it seems to just be delay and defer, delay and defer. And that's not doing anyone any favors. The momentum is lost for any collector, for any new reader, for anyone who wanted to get involved with Shazam after seeing the movie and getting excited. All of those things are now lost. And this is something that maybe could have been prevented and probably could have been prevented with just a little bit of forethought or uh, support or even just maybe even recognition or understanding of how much time things take, how many delays can start to compound and pile up, and how when you're not supporting your creators, these things will happen as we're seeing them happen right now. There needs to be a concrete solution put in place. There needs to be support, and there needs to be some real information being released to the people who are you know, for now, showing all the patience they can be asked to show. I think the sooner that DC gets ahead of this and says, so we should have done this correctly. This is what's been going on. We misread it the first couple of times, and this is what we know, and this is how much we can tell you and how much more we plan on telling you in the future. Until they get there, they're playing catch-up on this story, and the rest of us are getting left behind. And I think that's a real problem. But the biggest concern is health and safety. And really, I think it all comes down to support. I really think right now there needs to be some really good people who know Jeff Johns and can say, hey, man, this problem's only getting worse. Those of us who have been through a situation like this can help. Let's talk about a couple of options. And then let's let people know what's going on. And then let's see if we can do it. You know, and let's try and do something that we know we can accomplish so we don't get stuck in the situation again. But I don't think that's happening right now. And until it does, I don't think this is the last time we're going to hear this story, unfortunately, until we actually get mm-hmm. a reason and an announcement and, and a sense that somebody knows what's going on and can see this beyond just a week by week scope. We're going to be left just sort of, you know, responding to what they tell us. And right now what we're hearing is sorry for the new delay sorry for another delay and that doesn't help anybody so it's really unfortunate i'm really disappointed that this is you know uh an ongoing problem and a story that i heard a great description once this is like a sick chicken like walking around with a sick chicken nobody wants you around everybody wants you to go away you know they just want you to come back when the chicken's gone or when it's healthy 
And yeah. right now, Shazam's become a sick chicken. <laughs> I think I heard some laughter. Um, <laughs> I've never heard that expression. That's, <laughs> I still that's from fascinating. Show. I do this. I do <laughs> Good writers steal. Great writers steal often. I steal as needed to see myself. Um, sick chicken. I, <laughs> yeah, but I avoid the sick chicken just like everybody does. We, we know better. Um, and that really is our final news headline for episode number 37 of the DC Comics News podcast. I love the fact that I never have to try and do this alone, and I am always lucky enough to be with such an amazing team. And the best thing I can do is make sure you know how to get in touch with them, because when they say brilliant stuff, I know you have more follow-up questions. So, Brad, where can the good fine people find you in this mad, mad, wonderful world? Uh, you can find me writing uh, reviews and news at DC Comics News. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter, FlickyB1. And yes, I say this many times, but I do need to tweet more. So uh, I hope to rectify that soon. But that's where you can follow me. And Kelly, how about you? You can find me doing editorial pieces for DC Comics News. And I'm on Twitter at KelGainsWrite. Nice. And Steve, where can the good people find you, my friend? Again, all over DC Comics News and our sister, more Batman-centered Dark Knight News, where I write comics reviews, and I've done a couple of really nice creator interviews over the last couple of weeks with Jorge Fordness, artist on Batman, and the great Andy Diggle, a writer of Green Arrow Year One, Batman Confidential, and many, many other good things. So catch those on the website. But the easiest way to see everything I write across both sites and everywhere else is just to do a simple Google search for Steve J. Ray, and you can follow me on Twitter. And I'm the opposite of Brad. I literally don't shut up. And that's L underscore Steve O. E L underscore S T E E V O. What about you, Seth? Where can we find you? Well, I'm going to make it really easy on you. You can find me here once a week with these fine folks on the DC Comics News Podcast on a mostly regular basis. You can also find me on a weekly basis here on the DC Comics News Podcast channel recording the Spinner Rack, my attempt to define what I think are the five best comics coming out each and every week from DC Comics. And you can also find me if you type in my name, Seth, and my last name, Singleton, into uh, a Google search, just include the word story, and then find the platform that you like and send me a message, because that's where I think the conversation really gets started. When it comes to reaching out to all of us here at DC Comics News, letting the whole gang know on social media, you have your choice of either Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr, or YouTube. All you need to do is use that mighty, mighty at symbol and DC Comics News. That's capital D, capital C, capital C, O-M-I-C-S, capital N, E-W-S. Remember, when it comes to streaming, DC Comics News is now on all the major podcast platforms, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or Google Play. All you have to do is head over, subscribe, and then rate and review. I think we're five stars, and I haven't heard anyone yet who can disagree with me. And if they have, they sure are quiet about it. So rate, review, tell a friend. And because it's important to us to always 
wrap things up with a signature that we think defines us. And as always, read more comics. And that's going to do it for us for episode number 37. Thanks for joining us, folks. We will see you next time. Bye now. Okay, love you. Bye-bye.